Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. We continue with our subject, the grave responsibility of reproducing ascended gifted ministries. Chapter 2, the blessed gift of reproduction. I firmly believe the greatest gift other than salvation God has given man is the gift of reproduction. What an outstanding miracle takes place when a husband and wife become one. No wonder the word of God teaches the married bed is undefiled. Perhaps some readers may ponder, just why have I come to this remarkable conclusion? My answer is word-based. Just as God is the creator of humanity, whom he created in his own image and likeness, likewise has God empowered us to reproduce after our own kind. What a privilege, what an honor from God. However, what is of vital importance is understanding the level of empowerment of reproduction God Almighty has, has blessed humanity with. Humanity, in most cases, just concentrates on the physical aspect of reproduction. Yet there is a spiritual aspect as well. Reproducing of their own kind is a twofold blessing. There is the physical aspect and more so the spiritual aspect. With every blessing which our loving God bestows on us, there is always the accompaniment of accountability. There will be a day of accountability. We will have to answer to the Lord of how we live up to this wondrous twofold blessing. And therefore, we must purpose within our hearts, our inner man, by the grace of our Lord, we will not just try our best. We are going to do our best. Now, understanding the twofold blessing. Husband and wife both carry the same level of responsibility of raising their children. Though the man works to bring food to the table for the family, it does not excuse him from his spiritual duty, endeavoring by the grace of God to conform his children to the image and likeness of God. The wife, on the other hand, spends more time with the children, that is, if she's not working, and therefore she has more time to drive home the teachings of God's word the father brings to the children. Raising children is a grave responsibility. Though a great responsibility, it is also a blessing. My dear wife Dolores has always said, we don't just raise our children for ourselves, but for the world as well. I would like to add a little more to a wonderful and profound statement. And that and the kingdom of God as well. So let me re read it. We don't just raise our children for ourselves, but for the world as well and the kingdom of God as well. Our children, when raised in the fear of God, will most definitely be a blessing and a joy to us, to the world and to the kingdom of God as well. Now, spiritual application. 
In order for a child to come into the world, a seed is planted. Without the seed, it is impossible. Even in artificial insemination, a seed is planted. The gospel of Jesus is the seed which brings about the born-again experience. It is the power of the gospel which regenerates those dead in trespasses and sin. See Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. The preachers of the gospel are those who plant the seed of God's regenerative power and life. It is normal in church circles to hear, I am his, her spiritual father. This simply alludes to the fact the gospel was preached by a certain preacher and a decision to accept Jesus was made. Heaven rejoices when the depraved come to the Lord. The preacher man gleefully rejoices as well. And yet many do not know the responsibility that accompanies that joy. I am of the personal, personal persuasion when people are saved under my ministry, I am automatically responsible for their personal growth in the Lord. Be it that due to being a mobile minister such as apostles, prophets, evangelists and teachers, new converts should be handed over to others who will nurture the new converts. When people are born again under our ministries in our Lord Jesus, we must take full responsibility to develop the converts. Follow-up work must be carried out. Influ influential sounding doctrine and sounding character. Christians must, let me read that again rather. Influential sound in doctrine and sounding character Christians must be assigned to the new converts so as to build a friendly and meaningful relationship. A new convert should never ever be left alone for the mere fact many converts will doubt their decision they have made to accept Jesus as their personal savior. Oft times, many accept the Lord when witnessed unto by Christians who are not of the fivefold ministry. When this takes place, these new converts, converts must be introduced to the leadership of the local church as soon as possible. The leadership having experience with new converts will encourage them to join a new converts educational program, which will help the new convert to grow and to begin to participate in the church spiritual activities. Now, let me speak about imparting the fundamental vision. Too often we concentrate on impart, imparting the vision of the house. That is imparting the vision of the local church to the new convert. This is way beyond his or her spiritual experience. The initial vision to be imparted is none other than the will and purpose of God for the new convert. Let me reiterate it. The initial vision to be imparted to the new convert is none other than the purposes of God for the new convert. A wise mentor will emphasize the will and purpose of God of the mentor, for the mentor rather. Ministry and gifts will initially not be mentioned and taught. Rather, concentration will be toward the remolding of the image and likeness lost because of sin. This is the ultimate will of God for all born-again Christians. Hear the word of the Lord. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The war for a new convert, an old convert, no matter how old or how young in the Lord, is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Good mentors know and understand the chronological sequence of Christian development. They never ever place the cart before the horse, so to say. Character is what the mentor will concentrate on initially. And once they see and undersee spiritual growth, you will then start a ministerial program. Wise mentors will, wise mentors will always teach the mentees that Christ-like character always precedes Christ-like ministry. I want to reiterate that. Wise mentors will always teach the mentees that Christ-like character always precedes Christ-like ministry. Mentors should know ministry flows from a relationship with Christ and the development of Christ-like character. Ministry without godly character is repugnant. When ministers do not live up to Christian standards, all ministers are painted with the same tar brush and thus people shun and reject the gospel. I personally have seen how that many of God's servants, and I include myself, have concentrated on teaching the new convert doctrine and the beliefs of the local church. I've learned over time, this was one of my major mistakes in the early years of my ministry. Instead of concentrating on practical Christian living, I was foolishly concentrating on knowledge. I re realized over the years I had raised some intellectuals, yet many were still captive to sin's degradation. I since had changed my strategy. I now teach Christ like character, then, then move on to doctrine. By God's word and grace, this spiritual effort molds them into the image and likeness of God and gives the mentees the spiritual ability to handle the knowledge. Hear the word of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can you know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me share an analogy that will help us to grasp the foolishness of teaching new converts doctrines first. I am always, I am and always was a lover of bread. I just love bread and jam and peanut butter. When we were very young, our moms never gave us a loaf of bread in our hands to eat. The reasons being, we would not know where to begin eating from, and the bread would be too large for us to grasp and handle. Therefore, mom sliced the bread, and we could handle the bread and enjoy it. Our wise moms also never gave us the crust to eat. It was too hard for our milk to eat, and if we did eat the crust, we could choke on it. Two analogies are in the Word of God to describe the Scriptures. Both pertain to daily sustenance, which are milk and bread. Hear the Word. As, the, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that they grow thereby. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, King James Version. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give 
is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration and John, emphasized the fact that new converts are spiritual babies, and therefore the spiritual diet of the milk of the word is best suited for their spiritual well-being and growth. Peter alludes to the milk and John towards the bread. Peter, a wise man of God, is clearly saying without words though, that new converts, babies in the faith, are not ready for the bread of the, word, of the word and the meat of the word. He's well aware of the danger the baby in the faith faces when eating bread and meat. They will choke and possibly die spiritually. The words of Jesus in John 6.51 somehow seems to endorse support what Peter had written. To grasp this, we need to simply remind ourselves of the audience of Jesus when he spoke those words of truth. The audience were a Jewish group of adults who were confused. Jesus taught on him being the bread of life. This was way beyond their spiritual understanding, and no wonder they choked on the teaching. It is clear that they were not ready for the bread. Jesus purposely gave them that teaching of him being the bread of life for the mere fact they wanted Jesus, Jesus to perform another miracle. They wanted the miracle and not the miracle worker. They wanted the bread that God, that God rained down from heaven during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and not the true bread of life being Jesus. God at times places thoughts in my mind or should I say in my spirit which I know is spiritual truth. It is not that which we know. It is whom we know, and we may not know it all. However, we know him that knows it all, and what we need to know God, the Holy Spirit, will let us know. In other words, what I'm saying is this. Knowledge doesn't come, bang, straight away. You grow in knowledge. The mentor had initially, the mentor has initially to concentrate on bringing the mentors to grasping what is his prime target. As a young convert, what are their goals in life? Ask them what their ultimate goals are. Mentors should not be surprised that their answers will miss the mark. Bearing in mind, we are dealing with new converts, babes in the faith. At all times, mentors, should, mentors must not only always concentrate on their imperfections, Rather, he must concentrate on the potential within the mental, which will lead to perfection. In other words, don't be always negative with them. Be positive. Concentrate on their, on their strong points, not always on their weaknesses. The weaknesses have to be dealt with, but not at the expense of the good that they've got. I've always had the understanding that before I can have a vision for the world, I have to have a vision for myself. Before I endeavor to change the world for the better, I must change myself for the, for, 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 for the better. In other words, you're going to convey to the, to, the, to, to the mentee that before they have a desire to change the world, they have to change themselves. So therefore, concentration must be on Christian character. The mentor must ingrain in the spirit of the mentee God's holy word and give them the understanding before God uses them to influence the world with God's holy word. He first must influence, he first must influence himself 
with God's holy word. He must cleanse himself first before he cleanses the world. The mentor must drive home to the mentees just what is God's will for his life. Be that there is a concentration toward the ministry, a wet blanket must not be thrown over the mentor, mentee. Rather, the mentor must direct him to the perfect will of God, which I previously mentioned. We must that we may be conformed to the image of God's Son. Once this is comprehended and worked unto, then the process of developing the mentor's special ministry may commence. It is of paramount importance that the mentee understands the purpose of his God-given personal vision. He has to see it as his personal vision that will keep him on the road as a Christian. His vision must become his driving force. It is in this area that the mentor plays a dynamic role. It is in our Christian baby stage we are prone to failure. A human baby is dependent upon the parents. He wets himself. Not so. He messes himself. The, 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 he cannot clean himself up. Mom has constantly to change the napkins. He cannot feed himself. He messes himself with the food. He does, know, he does not know what to eat for his well-being and therefore mom has to prescribe all the meals. As a mentor, <laughs> a mentor is as a, 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 a natural parent. His work is so similar to the natural parent, although his work is spiritual. The mentor often in his babyhood stage goes back to the things he was acquainted with in his past. As much as he wants to, he just cannot break free from the bad habits which had, had him bound. It is at these times he is most vulnerable. He is in danger, is in the danger stage of backsliding. It is the, at these pivotal times the parental characteristics of the mentor shines forth. He does not scold the mentee, rather lovingly he consoles him knowing what the guilt complex is doing to his spiritual son and begins teaching how he can overcome bad habits of the past. He sets forth a chronological spiritual pattern of teaching to secure victory over these bad habits that keeps on cropping up. Now, let me briefly explain what a habit is. A habit is that which becomes a part of you that you cannot live without. It's, it's, your, it's your daily routine. It's what captivates you, motivates you, controls you. I'll never forget my dear friend, who was also a, a family of the, of the entire family, Linda Maud Finn. She shared this with me. She said, Joe, do you know what? A habit is hard to break. And I said, what do you mean? She said, okay, spell habit, Joe. And I spelled habit. H-A-B-I-T. She said, well, that's right. Now she said to me, take away the H. What are you lit with? I said, a bit. Oh, that's true, eh? She said to me, take away the H and the A. What are you lit with? But. She said, take away the H, the A and the B. What are you lit with? It. It's hard to break a habit. It's hard to break a habit. Because in a sense, it possesses you. It controls you. But I have discovered over the years, like many of you dear people, how do you break a bad habit? Simple. You break a bad habit 
by replacing it with the good habit. I'll never forget <coughs> one of my dear friends in the early years of my, 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 my Christianhood. I was a heavy smoker, especially after I ate something, I had to have a cigarette. And I, I, I shared this with my friend. He says, hey, no, man. Uh, uh, Joe, when you feel like a cigarette, have a verse instead. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, instead of having the cigarette, have a verse of scripture. Read a scripture. And, and, and build that habit. I mean, whenever you feel that urge for a cigarette, take out your Bible. Or if you had to memorize scripture, repeat it, say it over and over again. He says, always replace a bad habit with a good habit. And you know what? It worked. And then also, one of the things you've got to convince uh, 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 your mentor, your mentee rather, uh, in the early stage of, of, of Christianity is the power of forgiveness. It, it is sad. It is very sad. And I went through this stage. I had bad habits. And I'll break the habit for a day, then the following day, oh, I'll start smoking again, and uh, I won't smoke for two days, and I'll start smoking again. I'd have a drink, an uh, alcoholic drink, and then um, uh, I won't have it for a day or two, then I'll have it again, and it went on and on and on, off and on, off and on. And uh, I, I became very disillusioned. And I felt as if the devil was saying, saying to me, hey, this life is not for you, man. This life is not for you. You you rather give up. And you're going to God every day with the same sin over and over. God must be getting tired of you. And you know what? I felt in my heart God dealing with me. They're talking to me about the power of forgiveness. You know, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, and you know this, he will forgive us. However, God also further said to me that when I come to him with, the, with, with, with this habitual sins and I'm struggling to break free from them, every time I come with that same confession of the same sin, it was as if I was coming for the first time confessing that sin. And I said, how's that? And then the thought came, God forgave you. And when God for, forgives, he forgets. You cast your sin as far as the east is from the west in the sea of forgetfulness, never ever to remember it no more. That's true. That's true. God knows when we are babes in the faith, we have problems with habits. We don't do it today, we do it tomorrow. We don't do it one week, then we do it next week. And we keep on coming with the same sin and then we suffer from a guilt complex. And what happens? We backslide. But encourage your mentee that God understands babyhood. He knows like a mother that changes the baby back and forth every day and, 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 and gives him special food and looks after. God knows and God treats you the same way. He knows you're going to grow up. But while you're struggling as a baby, a spiritual baby, God won't forsake you. If you fail him over and over again and you come for forgiveness, God will forgive you each time because God is a loving father. Mentors have got to teach this. Then the other thing that the mentor has to convey to the mentee is the power of spiritual armament. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 speaks of the armor, uh, uh, the helmet of salvation. Teach, teach the mentor how to, how to uh, 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 um, reintroduce 
uh, good thoughts into his mind, having to think on things of God, what is pleasant, what is good, all those good things that the Bible speak about. And then also, tell your mentee to come to you at all times with all these problems. Teach him and understand him that you are his confident. And the only person that you will talk uh, about his sins to is none other than God. You will pray for him. And then ask him and encourage him to start believing in himself. Tell him you can do all things through Christ. Believe in yourself. You can't do it. You can do it rather. And then believe in God and see your victory. Amen. Now, We'll end there today, rather this morning. I trust you were blessed with this, and let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that, Father, you'll raise up mentors, those that are listening to this video, raise them up for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.